morning, George. Good morning, Mike. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I was talking to you. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. It's a glorious morning here. It is a glorious morning. Hey, we haven't done a shooting the shit podcast and wanted to take this opportunity to shoot the shit with you. Um, I appreciate you, and we got to do these every once in a while because we got to break out of conformity. I mean, shit. I mean, sometimes it just doesn't work out with guests, you know, and people want to hear us, you know? They do, and I'm just tired and exhausted, and I just wanted to shoot the shit. Yeah, we've been grinding, so it's... I know. Let's take a break. Not like that, though. We haven't been grinding. Like, like me and you have been grinding, but not, you know, yeah. not Art Kelly. No, 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 no. We've yeah. just been hustling and, and working hard. There you go. There you go. Um, your family's in town. Yeah, they got in last Friday. Um, they love it here in Prescott. Mm-hmm. But uh, your you mom's know. mannerisms are just like you. Man. You, <laughs> you guys are literally the same human being. Oh, we could be twins. Put a uh, a blonde wig on me. I'm I'm just look, look just like my mom. I know, man. And she's such a nice lady. Oh yeah. And you guys came in here. Your dad came in here and helped build this uh, beautiful wall for the backdrop yeah. for the podcast. Oh yeah, that's amazing. And we're gonna do a little stain and decorate it up. Thank you, Mr. Bell. Thank you yeah. so much. Um, I just came off the road. I was in Sirius, California. We had the opportunity to train a free pistol carbine course for law enforcement officers and first responders. Uh, big shout out to Sirius SWAT. Um, also, we got the opportunity to sign a thin blue line flag for Natalie Corona, who is an officer. If you guys remember, she was killed um, while, on, uh, while on duty in her patrol car at UC Davis in Sacramento. Um, tragic because she was so young and she was just doing her job and then gets smoked by some scumbag. And, you know, we wanted to, number one is that course was an officer survival course. And so we just wanted to kind of pay tribute in some way. So we signed a flag, a thin blue line flag. And uh, one of the officers, Mike, is going to present it to her family. And it's, I mean, it's just the small gestures like that. But, you know, you live, these people in our lives that are gone, that, you know, sacrifice their lives, kind of live on, they do live on through their legacy and, you know, the way you communicate about them, the way you keep their memory alive, and that's the least that we could do. So oh, yeah. It's always heartbreaking, but, you know, that's the uh, the risk we take, mm-hmm. putting on a uniform, serving our country, serving our community, and but it's always good, you know, because you're, you're always going to have that, that group of, that network that's always going to remember you and, and support you and stuff like that. So it, I, I love the community and it's always good to see that support coming from everybody. Yeah, the, the community came out and supported Series SWAT at the SWAT dinner. It's their annual dinner. Man, there was like a thousand people there. And they had raffles. They had, you know, drinks, food. It was just a really good time. And it was a, a cool thing seeing the community come together for those uh, officers who, you know, they bust their butt every single day. And they don't get rewarded for it. I mean, the, the pay's not great. The uh, responsibility is not great. Um, they just get crapped on a lot, yeah. and then they bust their ass. And so the, the least that we could do as a community is get back, and it was cool to see that happen, and I, I loved it. It was actually a real, real good time. Um, this weekend, you know, it, by the time you hear this, it's probably over with, but this weekend we have the uh, Combative Seminar, which is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu-centric seminar with Darren, and He's coming into town. He's a UFC fighter or UFC trainer and professional fighter, and he's going to work with uh, Raul to uh, teach those seminars. It's a small, small uh, group of people uh, this first time go. It's a seminar-based 
jujitsu seminar and then, you know, doing some training and I don't know, it's a cool opportunity just mm -hmm. to, just to get him in the studio in the dojo, uh, to train. So if you guys are interested in that, uh, make sure you stay tuned to always to philcraftsrobble.com because that's where we're going to be highlighting all the things that we're, we're doing. So there we go. Um, what else is going on, man? We have uh, Sunday Gunfighter Pistol with Raul. With Raul and myself, we'll be out at the Chino Valley PD range. That's good, man. It's a local course. Uh, we we discount our local courses because you know it's not far for us to travel, and it's a pretty decent price. If you're local here in Prescott, I mean, come on out, check out the website and our training. We have training throughout the rest of the year uh, here locally, so check that out. Yeah, you know, um, I just ran up the pistol and carbine course. And I was running that Triarch 17 Charlie. That is that by far is my favorite pistol of all time. Um, you know, I've worked with Triarch before. You know, if you guys don't know who Triarch is, they're out of Texas, and it, it's T R I A R C. I do that for myself because mm -hmm. I, when I hear that word, it's yeah, unfamiliar it's like, to what? me. But TriarchSystems.com is the the name of the company. But Triarch, man, good people was that Triarch. Very, very good people. Very easy to work with. Very just stand up uh, company. They're just they're and they're like they're motivated to work with us. They're motivated to get their product out there and 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 get it out there to the hands of the consumer as well. So we'll be having uh, the pistols at the uh, at the range, and then we're uh, also for uh, future we're getting some rifles custom built so we can show like all the customers and you know anyone that comes at a range like how good these rifles are and, and, yeah. you'll, and you'll be able to, you know, place an order or, you know, contact the company and see what they can do for you. Yeah. My whole thing is uh, I support American companies and American made companies and these guys are patriots and, you know, I want to support them. If I'm going to, if I'm going to buy a gun, um, I'm going to do my research because that gun is going to be used to save my life and for recreation and hunting. And so, I'm investing in that and, you know, try our, that 17 Charlie, for example, I hate the companies who customize all these pistols and all these guns and they don't have the utility. It's like, why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. You know, why are you putting that serration or that cut when it's not functional? And those guys first and foremost, um, priority is function and utility. And then, you know, it just happens to, to look good as well. So that's kind of how I am, man. You know, I like I like to form and function. It's just I'm just by default I'm handsome, and that's just exactly. how it works out. I mean, life works out yeah. for you. You're like you're like an agency arms. You're real pretty, <laughs> but when it comes to like running and gunning, it's like you're like, ooh man, I'm a little yeah. slow you malfunction. Know? malfunction. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just take a knee. That's all I got to do. Just take a knee, man. Um, we've been on actually. Oh, and uh, if you're interested, use Philcraft because uh, you can save uh, at checkout on TriarchSystems.com. Also. You know, we've been talking about um, this whole bio station thing and the things that we've been doing for our health lately. And we were on the office and we decided, hey, let's get our blood levels checked. Because, you know, I just honestly, man, being in, being in my late 30s, early 40s, all the guys are on the shop. I just feel like shit. Yep. Like I have like <laughs> I have like no motivation to like physical fitness motivation. Like I have, you know, coming to work, do my job. But when it comes time to like all right, I need some self-care. Let's go to the gym. Let's do that. That's I'm like, it. I'll get it later. I'll get it later. And then I just feel like there's no like motivation there. So we did our blood work and... And we're women. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> um, so, it, you know, we talk about health and fitness a lot. And in special operations, um, 
testosterone, like hormone replacement therapy and getting people's levels back up, it's not steroids. Like there's a big misconception. Like when I was in, on active duty, I knew a lot of guys in, you know, not necessarily in special operations, just around me, period, that I used to see downrange that were uh, um, overusing and abusing steroids. Now, there's a difference because the abuse of steroids where you're using, you know, 500, 800 milligrams of steroids, that's, a, that's abuse. Like your body just naturally is never going to produce that. And so when you get into these high levels, look, I, I'm not knocking it. I'm just, I'm just saying it's dangerous. And if you don't have a good balance, if you're not intelligent, if you're not willing to do like your homework and then do the blood work, um, then you're playing a dangerous game. What I like now is these clinics are actually now, today, prepared for that, and it's more comprehensive. And so uh, I reached out to a company called BioStation in Florida, and you know I, I went through the, the R&D process. I'm like, hey, what do you guys do? How is it done? Because I'm real particular about my health. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put my life in jeopardy, you know, with, with, uh, you know, expanding my family with being, um, you know, want to start, start a family and just, and I want to be around for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so we did the, the initial screen, which is a physical, um, we did the blood work and it identified a whole bunch of deficiencies. And it's not just about testosterone. It's also about like your levels of, uh, uh, nutrients, not nutrients, but, uh, vitamins and mineral deficiencies. I mean, the first thing I recognized in both me, George, and Raul was we're vitamin D deficient. Yeah. And naturally, um, growing up, I've always been vitamin D deficient. And George drinks like a gallon of milk a day. Yeah, I love milk. And he's still vitamin D deficient. Yeah, I've been vitamin D, uh, vitamin D uh, insufficient, whatever it is. Insufficient, that's good. Since... For like five years since I you know, and being in the military, so it's like is it my even I've they given me the pills and everything, and it still hasn't changed. Like nothing, I don't know what it is. Something's not just wasn't working. Well, you know the the big thing is, uh, look, it's not just special operations guys. It's guys who are active. If you're an active man and you do work and you've been doing it for decades, you're going to have endocrine problems with the regulation of hormones. It happens in women as well. In fact, I know I just met a woman recently who um, is on the program, and I mean program, but she's doing the pellets, mm -hmm. which is regulating. Her, you know, she's in menopause. She's uh, her hormones are out of out of balance, and she started doing the pellets, which is regulating her hormone levels, and she's normal now. And she said it's just changed her life. So, anyways, we identified <laughs> in the bracket of like normal testosterone and like low testosterone. And generally speaking, for you know, generally speaking, we're all low. I mean, I'm higher than everybody else. Yeah, I was <laughs> below the lowest. Yeah, the low, the minimum, right? Like, and I had my consult, and um, I forget the, uh, the woman's name, but she went line by line on my whole blood work and explained everything in detail, which was like amazing. And it's like, and she lay, you know, gave me like layman's terms, and then when it came to my my testosterone, she's like, you know, what what it is is that you know, your, your stress levels in the, in the military and, and just, you know, going through what you went, went through. Um, like my, uh, I think it was my adrenal gland or something like that. It wasn't producing cortisol. So I had like zero hormones going through me for like the past year, she said. And so just op eye opening now, now that I realize like getting that blood work and seeing my levels, 
it explains a lot on how I was feeling mentally, physically, like depressed, not wanting to do shit, like laying in bed, like feeling sorry for myself. And I'm like, this is not me. This, I don't feel right. This is not me. So I'm, I'm happy that I got this done and I can get back on track. So, yeah, you know, I, I, it's unfortunate, but a lot of mental health providers look specifically at the mind, like a, um, a conscious bubble. And if something's wrong, like they, it's like, how can I infiltrate the bubble and fix the bubble? But it's not like that. It's like what started the bubble, you know, mm-hmm. and there's science behind the, you know, irregulation of hormones and the imbalance of hormones and how that affects uh, your mood and your mental health. I mean, if you're depressed scientifically, more than likely you have a deficiency and you know, I, my, my hormone levels as far as testosterone is pretty high. It's, it's, it's actually around uh, normal, but what's not normal is my estrogen levels. In fact, my estrone that was measured in my blood, um, it's like a scale of, I think it's like 80 something to 200. Mine was like 270 and I could be misspeaking, but basically it's way beyond the normal. And so, uh, I asked cause they, it's cool because they do the blood work, but also you come back and you, you actually do a consult. And when I was talking to them, I'm like, Hey, what's like, what's the deal with my estrone? Because the testosterone is normal, but I feel out of whack. Like I have body fat on my body in different places. I feel moody. I feel tired, fatigued. And they said, it's like, um, you know, if you drink out of plastic bottles or if you're exposed to plastic and you're cooking like, uh, your food in plastic in the microwave, then you have higher levels of estrone. So you have to cleanse your system of that. Well, anyways, you know, long story short, we, we got on the program. It's a, we'll continue to talk about this because I want you guys to be educated on this. And I've always been intimidated by this. Um, I've done it once before and I, I felt real good, but you know, I just didn't want to, st- I didn't stick with it. And so now I'm committed to my health over the long haul and we're all going to do it together. And then we'll keep you advised of how it's going. Yeah. I know most of us got the testosterone in low doses to regulate our hormones, like an estrogen blocker for me to, to suppress my estrogen levels because too high of estrogen um, is, is bad for you in so many ways. And then vitamin D for sure, HCG, not to be uh, confused with HGH, but HCG, as well as um, you know a vitamin pack and a whole bunch of other stuff that just regulates yourself. If I was on active duty right now, I definitely would be on the program because at my age and the imbalance of hormones that I have right now, I, I wouldn't be optimizing myself, my health, my performance. So anyways, we'll keep you guys abreast of that. Yeah. Uh, no pun intended. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I can't wait. Just to, I just want to feel better. That's all. Just get me back on track. Who's this chick? Candace Owens. You seen this chick? Yeah. She's a uh, part of the Turning Point yeah. organization. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know much about her, but here's how it started. I mean, I, I saw um, – a video from her being addressed uh, by the con- a congressional committee. Maybe it was a, a Senate hearing, but anyways, they they were talking to her. And then this dude, did you see this guy? The uh, his name's Lou. I think it's Michael Lou from California, Democratic representative. Yeah. What did he say? He said, "Well, he goes, he goes. Okay, well, Candace Owens represents the Republican, whatever, right? He's making it political, and he goes, let me play a clip for you, and he he plays this clip." And uh, can you find that? Yeah. Because the clip he plays, um, the the clip he plays is of her talking about nationalism and referring to um, referencing Adolf Hitler. And 
she, he plays this like 30 second clip of her playing or t- uh, communicating and then bashes her, bashes her and, and then leaves that snippet of information out there as, as basically as bait. Right. And then, um, references it as like, she's a supporter of, um, of Adolf Hitler. And she goes to respond and then the 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 majority leader that's there that's regulating uh, uh, the conversation is basically like shuts her down, and she's like, "Number one, I didn't say that. Like, I didn't call anybody stupid. I, I didn't say that." And she's very articulate, and she she lays out her case very well. And did you find it? No. But um, the the best place to find it is on on the gram. I'll pull it up. But it, you know what's interesting is with with her. Is she's an African American female conservative, but she stands on a on a platform um, where she's not being toxic, and she's laying out the case of the democratic, you know, the democratic left, the far left uh, of the Democratic Party, and how they're being so divisive. Like the things that they're saying aren't even factual. She, what I thought was interesting, is she references her grandfather who grew up when we were oppressed. But didn't raise her to be somebody who felt sorry for for themselves. Didn't raise her to 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 feel like um, she couldn't uh, do anything that she wanted to. To feel like a victim, and that's what I'm talking about. It's like if you want to do something for yourself in America, the start point is to not feel like a victim. The start point is to get the fuck over it. Mm-hmm. it it's it's what everybody has to do as a start point to move forward. You could never move forward in life if you always feel like you're the victim and you're entitled to something. And you're always complaining. It's like, stop oh, fucking complaining. God. Go do something about it. Do something pro, like proactive or I don't get involved with something. Stop crying about shit and complaining. I can't stand people that complain about stuff like this. Okay, so here's, here's, the, here's the, uh, the first engagement. The statistics and the rise of white nationalism is that they've simply changed the data set points by widening the definition of hate crimes and upping the number of reporting agencies that are able to report on them. What I mean to say is that they are manipulating statistics. The goal here is to scare blacks, Hispanics, gays, and Muslims into helping them center, helping them censor dissenting opinions, ultimately into helping them regain control of our country's narrative, which they feel that they lost. They feel that President Donald Trump should not have beat Hillary. If they actually were concerned about white nationalism, they would be holding hearings on Antifa, a far-left, violent, white gang who determined one day in Philadelphia in August that I, a black woman, was not fit to sit in a restaurant. They chased me out. They yelled race traitor to a group of black and Hispanic police officers who formed a line to protect me from their ongoing assaults. They threw water at me. They threw eggs at me. And the leftist media remained silent on it. If they were serious. What they won't tell you about this. Isn't that crazy, man? Yeah. I, I, Isn't that crazy? That wasn't the clip, but it's like that's that's part of the hearing that I want you guys to hear. But I'm going to play this clip in its entirety because it's a really engaging um, conversation. But she lays out points that are reality. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're in the inner city, right, and 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 you're looking at somebody to blame, look at your local government. Exactly. It starts with local policymakers and their decisions. And what have those people done for you in the inner city? I mean, I grew up poor. I grew up in Daytona Beach, Florida, on the black side of poverty. And, you know, on the other side of the tracks, uh, you know, div- dividing the rich white side from the from the African-American side. I grew up on the black side. 
you know, of, of MLK Boulevard. And and when I see this shit, it, it just boggles my mind because you look at this and, and you think there's somebody to blame and it starts at the top. No, it doesn't. It starts right outside of your bubble. And what are those politicians doing? They're just getting richer. And that shit, it, it, it bothers me because as a minority who who has actually done something with my life, I feel like when I see these people complain and when I see these policymakers not standing up um, for their communities and giving them tools and answers and only talking about the same shit in a circle again and again and again, it's defeating because those people get a paycheck. Those people get the bonuses. Those people get their pension when they leave. But what do you get? You get absolutely nothing. You just get you get the constant influx and the resupply of what keeps you in pro- poverty. You get the WIC uh, support. You get the food stamps. You get the Section 8. But but what happens with your life? Nothing. You know, I, I want to play, too, the, the uh, talk between Don Lemon and Morgan Freeman. Where Don Lemon's like trying to create this narrative like you should feel sorry for yourself. How do you feel when people people say that um, African Americans in the communities can be can grow up to do something great? And Morgan Freeman's like, it that's true. Look at me and you. We're in, we're the proof in the pudding. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, yeah, but don't you think that's just respectful? Don't you think you're just saying that because you know it's like the you know uh, tighten your bootstraps? And he's like, absolutely. Absolutely. And he says, it's bullshit. It's bullshit that they're creating this narrative because you can do something. Look at Oprah Winfrey. And I'm just talking about African-Americans. Look at every minority and every person who came out of poverty and did something with their life. So the alternative is you could stay inside this bubble and you could bitch, complain, and you could feel like a victim, or you could start to look outside of yourself, stop feeling like a victim, and do something. Like physical action is required to move forward and to grow and prosper and improve your life. You know, there's there's statistics, but some of the statistics that show how you can do this is finish high school. There's like 70-something percent of the African-American community in these inner cities don't finish high school. You know what else you could do? Not have a child outside of wedlock. Not have a child early on that is going to uh, impede your ability to grow and prosper and to bring a child into your life um, at a time that you're that you're secure. Um, let me let me let me uh, play this uh, this section because I think it's super important and honestly, it's it's something that I'm more passionate about. I know it's political, but it's it's like th- our our survival as a nation depends on the ideology and the culture that we create. And right now, the way things are going. We're so fucking divisive. You want divisive? Go to CNN. Let me play this for you guys. Once held real meaning have now become nothing more than election strategies. Every four years, the black community is offered handouts and fear. Handouts and fear. Reparations and white nationalism. This is the Democrats' preview. There isn't a single adult today that in good conscience would make the argument that America is a more racist or a more white nationalist society than it was when my grandfather was growing up. And yet we're hearing these terms sent around today because what they want to say is that brown people need to be scared, which seems to be the narrative that we hear every four years right ahead of a presidential election. Uh, Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member Mr. Collins, uh, thank you for having me here today. 
I received word on my way in that many of the journalists were confused as to why I was invited, and none of them knew uh, that I myself uh, was the victim of a hate crime when I was in high school. That's something that very few people know about me, uh, because the media and the journalists and the left are not interested in telling the truth about me, because I don't fit the stereotype of what they like to see in black people. I'm a Democrat, I support the President of the United States, and I advocate for things that are actually affecting the black community. I'm honored to be here today in front of you all because the person sitting behind me is my 75-year-old grandfather. I've always considered myself to be my grandfather's child, and I mean to say that my sense of humor, my passion, and my work ethic all comes from the man that is sitting behind me. My grandfather grew up on a sharecropping farm in the segregated South. He grew up in an America where words like racism and white nationalism held real meaning under the Democrat Party's Jim Crow laws. So, you know, that's, that's <laughs> what's crazy is uh, I didn't even realize, is she a Democrat? Look, can you look that up? Yeah. Um, but that's even more impactful. Look, when I think about people um, uh, and, and their abilities, like, I don't care about their political affiliation. I just want somebody who's the right person. My grandfather's first job was given to him at the age of five years old, and his job was to lay tobacco out to dry in an attic in the South. My grandfather has picked cotton, and he has also had experiences with a Democrat terrorist organization of that time, the Ku Klux Klan. They would regularly visit his home, and they would shoot bullets into it. They had an issue with his father, my great-grandfather. During my formative years, I had the privilege of growing up in my grandfather's home. It's going to shock the committee, but not once, not in a single breath of a conversation, did my grandfather tell me that I could not do something because of my skin color. Not once did my grandfather hold a gripe against the white man. I was simply never taught to view myself as a victim because of my heritage. I, I learned about faith in God, family, and hard work. Those were the only lessons of my childhood. There isn't a single adult today that in good conscience would make the argument that America is a more racist or a more white nationalist society than it was when my grandfather was growing up. And yet we're hearing these terms sent around today because what they want to say is that brown people need to be scared, which seems to be the narrative that we hear every four years right ahead of a presidential election. Here are some things we never hear. 75% of the black boys in California don't meet state reading standards. In inner cities like Baltimore, within five high schools and one middle school, not a single student was found to be proficient in math or reading in 2016. The single, mother would, the single motherhood rate in the black community, which is at 23% in the 1960s when my grandfather was coming up, is at a staggering 74% today. I am guessing there will be no committee hearings about that. There are more black babies born, there are more black babies aborted than born alive in cities like New York, and you have Democrat Governor Andrew Cuomo lighting up buildings to celebrate late-term abortions. I could go on and on, but my point is that white nationalism, white nationalism does not do any of those things that I just brought up. Democrat policies did. Let me be clear. The hearing today is not about white nationalism or hate crimes. It's about fear-mongering, power, and control. It's a preview of a Democrat 2020 election strategy, same as the Democrat 2016 election strategy. They blame Facebook, they blame Google, they blame Twitter. Really, they blame the birth of social media, which has disrupted their monopoly on minds. They called this hearing because they believe that if it wasn't for social media, voices like mine would never exist. That my movement, Blexit, which is inspiring black Americans to lead, to lead the Democrat Party, would have never come about. And they certainly believe that Donald Trump would not be in office today. Looking on the next thing to focus on, now that the Russian collusion hoax has fallen apart. 
What they won't tell you about this, the statistics and the rise of white nationalism is that they've simply changed the data set points by widening the definition of hate crimes and upping the number of reporting agencies that are able to report on them. What I mean to say is that they're manipulating statistics. The goal here is to scare blacks, Hispanics, gays, and Muslims into helping them, center dissent, helping them censor dissenting opinions, ultimately into helping them regain control of our country's narrative, which they feel that they lost. They feel that President Donald Trump should not have beat Hillary. If they actually were concerned about white nationalism, they would be holding hearings on Antifa, a far-left, violent, white gang who determined one day in Philadelphia in August that I, a black woman, was not fit to sit in a restaurant. They chased me out. They yelled race traitor to a group of black and Hispanic police officers who formed a line to protect me from their ongoing assaults. They threw water at me. They threw eggs at me. And the leftist media remained silent on it. If they were serious about the rise of hate crimes, they may perhaps be examining themselves and the hate that they have drummed up in this country. Bottom line is that white supremacy, racism, white nationalism, words that once held real meaning, have now become nothing more than election strategies. Every four years, the black community is offered handouts and fear. Handouts and fear. Reparations and white nationalism. This is the Democrats' preview. Of course, society is not perfectible. We've heard testimony of that today. There are pockets of evil that exist, and those things are horrible, and they should be condemned. But I believe the legacy and the ancestry of black Americans is being insulted every single day. I will not pretend to be a victim in this country. I know that that makes many people on the left uncomfortable. I want to talk about real issues in black America. I want to talk about real issues in this country and real concerns. The biggest scandal, this is my last sentence, in American politics is that Democrats have been conning minorities into the belief that we are perpetual victims, all but ensuring our failure. Racial division and class warfare are central to the Democrat Party platform. They need blacks to hate whites, the rich to hate the poor, and soon enough it'll be the tall hating the short. The time of the Jesus, dude. She's a, a, a registered I can't even, Republican. I can't even just, I, dude. I mean, it's hard to hear reality. Yeah. I mean, so many, so many people now want attention. Like it's like Facebook, right? A politician is buying for your attention. So the more toxic they could be, they know that's going to drum up the numbers for them to get attention, and so then they could spew their narrative. All this, like all this, um, this Russian collusion shit. Think about how much time we've wasted. How much money, taxpayers' money, Ta- our money being wasted. And so if you look at what like the Democratic Party is is actually um is actually getting done. What are they getting done? I mean and and she brings up some great points with this it's almost like this they've created this narrative that it's okay. It's okay to be um if you're on the left and you're Antifa or you're an African American in a riot and you're destroying your own community then there's some clause in there where that's acceptable in our society. But that's not considered a hate crime. So she's an African-American conservative. She gets smashed in the face by eggs, but nobody reports on it because that wouldn't be considered a hate crime. Because she's not on the, the right side of you know the, the, left. the spectrum it, or exactly. you know, the left. And it just, it's not cool, you know? So we're not gonna, they're not going to report on it. So It's, it's sad, man. And, and the... the the weird thing is we're skewing our own reality and we're so fucked up in this bubble um, that we don't know the left hand for the, the right hand and we're not accomplishing anything. 
And it's, and you have to ask yourself, and when I, when I think about this in survival, you have to ask yourself, what's next? I mean, what's the evolution of our current state? Um, you know, and, and I ha- hate to say this, but tragedy is what unifies communities, countries. And when I think about 9-11 and what terrorists did, they unified us. At the, with the sacrifice of thousands of American lives, they brought us together. That's the good that came out of evil. And so you ask yourself moving forward, when, when you have it so good, when you're so free, and you live in a society that's so great, what do you do? It's like, it's like the rich not under, understanding how good they have it, or mm-hmm. how wealthy they really are. And they lose focus. They lose um, that touch with reality. And then they start infighting. I mean, there's microcosms and examples of this all over the world. And so when you think about the, the current state of our country and then the evolution of where we're headed, it's scary to me, man. And I, and I hate to say it, you know, we have it really good, but uh, as a social fabric, we're starting to become unweaved, man, unwoven. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a political person by any means, but it's in, you're inundated every day and it's like, oh, it's so easy. Just let's, blame, let's just blame Trump on everything. You know, let's use him as a scapegoat. Let's, let's blame him and everything. And like people are talking about, he's influencing me to my personal beliefs and rights and this and that. I'm like, then do something about it. Like, stop, you're going to let that happen and then let it bother you for your, your, you know, next four years or next two, I mean, whenever the next election is, but come on, man, like (laughs) get a life really. The, uh, what I like is uh, I, always, I always judge the perception of our country based on the headlines of CNN. So I go on CNN.com, and then literally the entire page outside of a scroll, thousands gather at the public memorial service for rapper Nipsey Hussle. Remembering Nipsey Hussle. Hustle's family is welcoming fans to celebration of slain rapper's life. Public memorial held. Nipsey Hussle funeral service. Police now say two women were shot at Nipsey Hussle's vigil. Rapper Kodak uh, Black slammed after offering to wait for Nipsey Hussle's girlfriend. The entire page. The entire page. The next, the next thing, investigation into Trump's sister ends with her retirement. Look, I mean, that's the fucking current status of our country. Yeah. Suspect and black church fire is son of sheriff's deputy. And it has a picture of a white kid in the church. It's like, we're, you know... People have actually DM me for and message me before. They're like, "Why are you picking on CNN? Don't you think that's biased?" No, I don't at all. You know why? Because CNN represents a a billion dollar industry. CNN is not a representative of the free democratic society or of our nation. It is a billion dollar company. Okay, and so they have an outlet. They have a platform. And so then I look at that platform because it has major influence in the fabric of our society. And so then I look at that and I go, okay, what, what, are they, what are they spewing today? And you could say the same thing for Fox News. Absolutely can. Let's, in fact, I don't want to be biased of, of this. Let's go to Fox News. Let's do it. So on the, the headline of foxnews.com, arrest of WikiLeaks boss Assange draws fierce reaction from supporters, critics around the globe. Who is Julia Solange? Senator Jerry Morin on on Assange. Uh, Judge Knapp, Julian Assange is a hero. So you literally have, you literally have 
news being reported. In fact, I reported that this morning. The second thing that they have is um, AOC Tlaib rushed to Omar's defense amid backlash over 911 Joff. And then down further, they have attack on our God. Cops probe hate motive after a deputy son nabbed in black church fires. Okay, there you go. There you go. You have you have news, right? You have actual news. And what what, what I what I don't understand is our um our benevolence in what we fall in love with media wise, right? So if they're not getting the clicks, if they're not getting the the viewership, then they change the narrative. But they are. I mean, even if you look at CNN's numbers still, people are tuned in. And, and is it entertainment? I don't know if it is. I think it's propaganda. And what I do think is if you're a smart, you know, American and you understand this, then you make good decisions. And then in your, in your small circles and communities, you start communicating and you, get, and you know the difference between what, what's right and what's wrong. And you understand uh, the propaganda and, and its intent. Its intent is not to bring us together, which it should, because the news isn't biased anymore. And so when all these journalists get uh, upset or all these media personalities get upset about Donald Trump saying it's fake news, it is fake news, because news is no longer news. It's just propaganda to be able to influence your mind to think a certain way, mm-hmm. to be reactive, to be angry, to be upset. And the more closer uh, that we get closer to 2020 and the re-election, uh, the presidential re-election, um, or the presidential election, you're going to see it being more toxic. And I- I'm interested to see how they're going to spin it. Because collusion was one thing. Now what is it going to be? Gun control? Is it going to be racism? Is it going to be hate crimes? Is it going to be another Black Lives Matter? Uh, you know, more to follow, but I- I'm assuming it is going to be that because they can't run off a platform of intelligence, of... Uh, of being better, of coming together, of uniting as a country and getting things done. I don't know if that's a possibility for the left anymore. Um, and if you're on the left, maybe you should ask yourself that. If you're on the left, you should have the conversation. Like, it, it, do your policymakers represent you? Can you even have a discussion? Can your policymakers have a frank discussion to talk about the issues and then come up with intelligent um, solutions to all these problems our country has? I mean, 75% of black children, black boys in California don't even have uh, the ability to read. I mean, off a democratic policy, you should be infuriated with that. The inner city and and the major crime hubs in LA, New York, and Chicago, you should be infuriated that... Black children are being murdered in the streets of the inner city. And it don't be mad because they're black, because you could be white on the left listening to this. Be mad because they're children of America. Be mad because they're Americans. Be mad because they're human beings. Oh, mm. fuck. Mm. Sorry. No, that's okay. That I mean, shit upsets me, man. It does. It's, it's sad that all they want to do is argue about something. There's, there was like no solutions or, you know, like, I, I want to know what they want to do or how can... I don't know. It's just it's just too much. You know, you know what I feel like, man? I feel like I feel like after the Vietnam vets came back from the Vietnam War in 1975 and were spit on by the left, right? Spit on by the left. And then they were 
duped into war by the right, mm-hmm. that there was a whole lot of change that needed to take place. And so they were voices. They were businesses. Uh, some of them went into politics, but they, they had to do something. And I just want people to do something. Exactly. I just want people that, that feel like they're victims to get off their ass. I want people who have the aptitude, the intelligence, the voice to get off their ass. Um, I, I, want, I, I don't want Americans to die in our own country over bad policy while politicians, aristocrats, get fatter and wealthier mm-hmm. and more power. Um, I hate it, man, because you know, in, in the realm of survival, that, that, that is the core competency of survival, which is our social fabric, our political system, our democracy. And if that's falling apart, everything else will fall apart. I mean, then you can't depend on your government to come save your ass during a natural man-made catastrophe mm-hmm. that just destroys our country. If another 9-11 happened, do you, are you going to depend on your local, state, and federal government to come and help you, assist you? I mean, look at fucking Puerto Rico. Oh. Yeah. Louis- I mean, we should all be like that community. The community side of it is come together as a community, support each other, you know? And like if something does happen, you're there. You're, you have a plan. You're, you're helping people out. You know, if it just takes a block, your your street, you know, start small and then work your way up or get with, like you said, the local government. That's where it starts at. Yeah, I, I think you're right, man. Getting you know? involved. And your local um, politics, because look, it, some most people are tuned out. If you're smart and you listen to podcasts like me, you don't want to be involved in the toxic nature Mm-mm. between the left and right. Um, you just don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time. Mm-mm. And so, when when you're looking at your local uh, policy, all these people are getting. I mean, you go to the ballots, and you're like looking at names. You're like Glover's cooler than Johnson. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to elect this person. Or you go, I'm, I'm going to uh, elect all the officials down the right or vers- uh, versus up the left. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, Luis Rivera was on our podcast, man. It was a great opportunity that we caught up with um, Luis Rivera at the Mighty Oaks Foundation studio. And big ups to Chad and to Michael at, uh, and all the people, the great people that work at Mighty Oaks. Uh, amazing, amazing foundation. You want to tell them about the foundation? So uh, Mighty Oaks Foundation is headed up by Chad Robichaud. He is a uh, former what, Marine recon. Um, he has a book out. And the let me get it up here. Yeah, and, and Chad Chad Robichaud, man, he's a former force recon guy, former guy who worked work with uh, uh, some special operations units uh, overseas doing some low-vis stuff. Um professional fighter, Bellator fighter, um, strike force as well. I think he fought in strike force as well. Just really great dude. I mean, re- really good guy. And he ha- he identified a, um, a need his, and, and it developed from his own need transitionally. Yeah. And so their mission is basically, um, you know, many of our, the nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and, and getting reintegrated back into civilian life, often leaving broken homes in their aftermath and, and, com- and, com- uh, and comprise one of the most at-risk uh, groups for suicide. So what they do is they tackle this critical issue with peer-to-peer resiliency recovery programs 
and it's no cost. It's an honor for, and it's no cost to the service members and women. They uh, have a good family program as well. Um, so they do a lot of peer-to-peer programs uh, to assist those, you know, our nation's warriors in discovering the answers to find questions in life, dealing with challenges, challenges related to struggles of daily military life, combat deployments, PTSD. So, I mean, that's the kind of things they do. They, you know, they help a lot of the service members coming back or who's ever, who's been in the military for a while and, that, and they're having issues and transitions. Um, I got a, a, a message from Chad last weekend that there was a Marine that, you know, was, he listened to the podcast, our podcast with Chad on there. And he was almost about to commit suicide. He, he told him and he heard that podcast and then he got in touch with uh, Mighty Oaks. Um, and then he was like baptized that like that same week, you know, and he said, you know, you guys like open my eyes, like save my life. And it was just like very, like, it, it gets to your heart. Like, it's like, you know, you, you, you get a purpose, like we have a purpose here and like, what we do, it's we're blessed to you know be on this uh, this stage and you know and we're able to reach out to people and, and help them and it, it feels good to to get that. And I, I you know you get those emails, you get those DMs, and people are saying, "Oh, thank you for your podcast. It's it's really inspirational." So I, you know it, it it just makes you feel good. It gives you like a purpose in life, and <clears throat> I think that's what everyone deserves is you know get that purpose in life for what you want to do and. I just, you know, it just feels good to hear those things. Absolutely, man. And, and everybody there is good people. They, they open their doors up to us. We had the opportunity to do a podcast with Luis Rivera. That, that podcast is live right now. I think it's episode 112. Luis Rivera was um, in the class, class 234, that was uh, a Bud's class that was documented by Discovery Channel um, from beginning to end. And he was, a, at the time, a 10-year... A veteran of the of the Navy, and he worked on uh, submarines. But you know, it, it shows the beginning of their buds class all the way to the end. He was successful, became a Navy SEAL, and we caught up with him in the studio. He also works for Mighty Oaks, um, but it was a it, it's a cool opportunity to listen to somebody like that story where you kind of you saw a glimpse of it. I and mean, if you're like me back in the day who saw that, and it's available online now, then you could see that journey. But you were completely influenced i was inspired by that by that uh documentary and then seeing him grow into the point where he's at now and it's sharing that journey it's it's pretty amazing i remember watching it too it made me want to be, get out and go join the, and be a navy seal because it was just like so motivating know, it was cool so i did too i looked at it, i was like dude i want to be a navy seal and then i looked at my body and i was like i'm fat so I'm never gonna be a seal. i'll just be happy being a green beret oh yeah um you know uh, a new article you guys hear about this these hikers lost for nearly five days in california um, that well, they are eventually found. It's kind of interesting. A search team followed two sets of footprints near the canyon that led to a campfire and two people. And it said they hoisted them out to fly them to a near, nearby fire station to get attention. But it was a couple. It was a, a dude named uh, Eric DeSplinter and Gabriel Wallace. But they were found together, and they were hungry and had a little food and, and water. But, you know, it's 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 amazing to me. These these This couple was with – I don't know if they're a couple, but the, the guy and the girl – were with a big group, and they got displaced. And this is we're talking about in like a national forest, a national yeah. park, and they're fending for themselves for five days. And the fact that they survived in the elements is a testament, more than likely, to their preparation. I mean, if they didn't have the ability to um, uh, to shelter in place to 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 heat up their body temperature, then they wouldn't have survived. If they didn't have a fire, then more than likely they didn't survive. But you know some of the things that you have to pay attention to in survival is you have to identify the things 
that are going to be important for you in those environments. You know, if you're in the high desert of Arizona, for example, where we live, it could be 85, 90 degrees during the day and get down near freezing at night. Oh, yeah. It happens all the time here. And you have those big swing shifts. So you're going out to hike during the day and you're like, oh, this is awesome. I'll prepare for the day. No, you're preparing for a 24 hour period and extended range. So, you know, it's not just the 24 hours, but it's like the two to three to four to five days that you might be in a situation like this couple was where you have to survive. Yeah. We always talk about the basics of survival, the staples of survival, and that never changes. It's food, which is, you know, on the, on the scale of things is at the bottom end of it, fire, water, shelter, signal, and then the list goes on. You, can, you, could, you could tie into that um, and, and go on forever. You have to be able to retain your body temperature. Exposure is the number one killer, mm-hmm. the number one killer of people that are lost. Um, one, have the situation awareness to know where you're at. If you're, if you're going to a national park, you might want to have a map on you. You might want to have a compass. It starts with orientation. If you get disoriented, to reorient yourself, you have to understand land navigation, mm-hmm. terrain features. You have to understand the way in which maps in that area that you have are scaled. I mean, most maps um, in national parks are scaled at one to 12 thousandths, uh, which is a large-scale map in comparison, even one to 10, even one to eight. And then you have to identify key terrain features. Hey, is it the hilltop? Is it the mountaintop? Is it the peak? And then obviously tying that into orientation where you understand your position while looking on a map and then orienting mm-hmm. yourself with a compass. Um, you know, sun, the, you know, understand the, the positioning, positioning of the sun, the stars, all that stuff is important because that's going to allow you to find your your way back. And then having a basic situational awareness to where you could backtrack. I mean, the fact that a search and rescue team found their footprints and walked into their position. They were searching on, at 19,000 acres, like 19,000 acres. It's, it's, it's yeah. Amazing. That, it was well, a, yeah, a needle in a haystack. Yep. And, you know, if you're in this these people's situation, search and rescue if you're lucky, we'll come out to rescue you. Green foliage, meaning any, if you start a fire, make that a massive fire. And then during the daylight, use green foliage because if you put that inside the fire, it's going to make it smoky. You need to put up signals. And then if at night, the, the, more, the more signature, the better because they're usually using the visible eyes or their eyes to, to visibly identify you. And, and, um, they might have thermal capability or infrared capability to de- identify your heat signature. There's not fires out in the middle of 19,000 acres at night. Yep. So if you have one, then uh, scanning with their, their thermals, they might be able to identify you. That's if they have the budget or the, the capacity to yeah. do that. And then also the land nav stuff is like, you know, learning how to use that compass, your back azimuth, shooting azimuths, using the legend on the map to get your, you know, your declination diagram. If you're going to add, subtract, you know, degrees and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's a good, it's a good thing to know. It's a good thing to learn if you're an outdoors person and you're going to be going hiking into these forests. So it's fun too. Yeah. It's, I love land navigation. I love terrain association. It, I I enjoy it. I love trying to like go somewhere, find something and getting out of it and going back. So you like treasure hunting. That's what you, I do. You're a big treasure hunter. Yeah. Um, Hey, if you guys haven't heard of Blinkus, man, I've been trying out Blinkus for the last uh, two months. And what I like about Blinkus is 
you could use it in audio or um, the the spoken word. I mean, when I mean it, the written word. You could literally read it or or do an audio version of it. But basically, what what it is is it's a way to take all the things that you want to um, uh, consolidate and optimize in nonfiction books. Some of their most popular ones are like the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I love that book. The Four Hour Work Week. All of Tim Ferriss's books are great. Um, even the uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Why We Get Fat, Bulletproof Diet. All these books are are made into like the cliff note version uh, versions of it. And I use them all the time. And what I like is, you know, it's the only app that could take the best key takeaways, the like the need to know stuff, the need to know information from thousands of books. And they, they have a huge library of thousands of nonfiction books. And they can condense them down into the readable version or the uh, audible version. And it's 15 minutes of reading or 15 minutes of, of listening. It's, it's made for people who are busy. I mean, if you're like me and you work and you live, you're busy. So 8 million people are using Blinkist, which is a lot of people. And we've worked with them uh, to identify a free trial so you guys could try it. And if, you, if you, you're into optimizing your routine and your life like I am, uh, then you'll be into this. If you check them out, you can go to www.blinkist, and that's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash survival. Again, it's www.blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash survival, and you can start a seven-day trial. Just try it. If you don't like it, you can just, you, it. You can yeah. just get rid of it. But if you're like me, who's always on the go, uh, you like the audible form of things, I love it, uh, you could basically get the best of both worlds and then, you know, get the cliff note version of all these different things. Again, check it out, Blinkist.com. Hey guys, this is the end of the podcast. I want to say thank you to all of our subscribers, our listeners. If you like this podcast and it's providing you a value, look, we're not, we do have a Venmo at Philcraft if you want to donate um, because we don't ask a lot of our customers. But if you can, please go on to our um, our subscription handle, if you're using SoundCloud, Spotify, Facebook, iTunes, whatever it may be, go on there and then leave feedback. If you like it, leave five stars, leave a comment, um, and just give us your feedback. The more, the merrier. And share it with your friends. I mean, the more, the merrier. We love doing these podcasts and bringing you the information. And um, if it wasn't for listeners like you, uh, we wouldn't have this opportunity. So thank you. Thank you so much. You got anything, George? Uh, you know, if you're interested in, in training with us, check out our website, uh, fieldcraftsurvival.com. And, uh, we have the training tab there and come check it out. We have uh, gear, med gear. We have mobility gear, holsters, holsters. So, I mean, just, just give us a, just give us a look and, um, you know, support, a, support that veteran owned business that, you know, we're, I'm disabled too. Yeah. And, dis- and we're both disabled. So and minority, he makes a minority. Disabled. So. Yeah. I mean, buy buy a shirt, buy a sticker. You know what I mean. Support the cause. We're we're, we're here to help people. We're not here to monopolize and 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 take over. But we are trying to take over the survival space. So yeah. everyone listen and watch I out. I think we own this space. Yeah, but <laughs> that's pretty much it. I want to thank everybody for their support as well. You know, and that's all I have. I'm that's just happy to be here. I'm getting ready to go to the Grand Canyon today. Hey, don't fall off. Family. Don't I'm fall not, off the Grand Canyon. I'm not going to take any Bro, selfies, man. You got to be careful, dude. <laughs> Seriously, I'm all worried now. Like. Eight people of you know it's, it was I did the research. It's three people in an eight day period it died. Just, it blows my mind. Falling, one like, dude was like a guy taking a selfie and fell off the cliff. Like, <laughs> like come on, eight hundred foot cliff. <laughs> I'm just gonna peek over and that's it. I'm not man. Uh-huh. Don't even peek over, man. Don't get close to that. The wind. 
You don't even the wind today. Oh man, oh, it's, it's man. gonna be an adventure. Okay, stay away from the edge. I will. Okay. All right, guys. Hey, thank you for tuning in the podcast. Until next time, stay alert, stay alive, guys. Yeah.